episode 74, March 2015. In this episode, Octagram explains PathMap, default rake tasks, the differences between clean and clobber and rake, and further talks about passing arguments to rake tasks and the environment variable. This episode is sponsored by the Grappling Design Company and Field Notes. Can you talk a little bit about PathMap? PathMap is like the secret weapon of rake. PathMap, I think when I started getting into PathMap was when I started first realizing the true power of rake. Because, um, So I got to admit, I was not a big user of rake until a few years ago. Uh, I had been using make, new make for a very long time for a lot of different purposes. I had built just elaborate make files uh, for doing things like building ebooks. And uh, I had done a lot of study. I'd, I'd read through the GNU Make manual. I'd learned all the obscure modern features of GNU Make that you don't see in, in most legacy Make files. And it really has become quite powerful these days. And so I was always a little skeptical. You know, okay, Rake is great for little project tasks, but I knew all the really powerful things that GNU Make could do. And I was always a little skeptical about whether Rake could be a true replacement for it. And then one day I decided to rewrite some of my make files in rake and see what would happen and it was at about the point that i hit path map that i realized oh my goodness rake really is a full replacement for make i can do everything that i was doing in make uh in rake instead and uh, it's hard to like sum up something like path map it's just one method but it basically tackles all of the many tasks having to do with mapping one list of files to a different list of files that you might possibly need to do. So it's very common when writing build scripts to want to do something like come up with the list of HTML files that goes into the book.pdf. But how do we come up with that list of files when the HTML files don't necessarily exist yet? Well, what we need to do is we need to find all of the .markdown files and then and create a list of .markdown files and then munge that list to be a list of .html files instead. Well, you can do this in Ruby. There are tools that let you do this reasonably easily. Uh, but PathMap kind of takes it to the next level. PathMap makes it incredibly easy to do that kind of translation where you say, okay, find all the all here's a list of all the files that look like this. Now, tweak each one each entry in that list to be a little different. You know, give me a list of those files as if they existed in a different directory or as if they had a different file extension. You can do some really neat stuff with it. You can do things like pass it a block and have special code for modifying each file name. It's hard to, uh, again, it's hard to sum up, but uh, once you really dig into it, you find you can do pretty much everything that you can imagine in a tool like Make using PathMap instead. What about default rake tasks? When are they useful and when are they most commonly used? So uh, every rake file has uh, what's known as a default task. It's just the, the task called default. Uh, well, not every rake file has one, but they can. Uh, basically, you can run, normally when you run rake, you supply a task that you want it to, to run or to build, but you can also run it with no arguments at all. And if you do that, it'll go look for a task called default. And if it finds a task called default, it'll just go, it'll run that one. And so usually what you see, usually people don't actually attach actions directly to the default task. What they do is they declare the default task to depend on some other action. And a very common one that you'll see is in Ruby projects, the default action will usually depend on 
the action that runs all the tests. Mm -hmm. And this means that you can go into the into the project and just run rake without any any special arguments and it'll run the project's tests and you don't have to know what command is needed to run the tests. Okay, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life. Uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird, the sinister, the awesome. And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. Draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria, or Vienna, Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too, okay? Fieldnotesbrand.com. You need these things. $9.95 for a three-pack. Would you pay for coffee today, right? Right, right? You need this stuff. So draplin.com, fieldnotesbrand.com, and uh, yeah. Those are, the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. What is clean and clobber useful for? So clean and clobber are part of an optional module in Rake. What they give you are a set of special file lists that are contained or referenced by some global constants called clean and clobber. And you can add lists of files to be deleted to these uh, global file lists. Let me back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. In build scripts, you're generating files. Typically, in build scripts, what you're doing is you're generating files. So like when I'm building an ebook, you know, I'm generating those .html files. I'm generating the final .pdf files. I might actually generate a whole lot of other spurious files along the way. And sometimes you want to you rebuild everything. You want to make sure that there's no old information going into your build. You want to wipe everything out and uh, get a, just a pristine, brand new build of something. And so you need a way to delete all the files that are generated, but not delete any files that are part of the project proper. And you know, one thing you can do is you can just manually write tasks that do this. You, know, you have a list in the task of all the files that should be deleted every time you, you run rake clean, for example. But it's very easy for these lists to get out of date. You know, you, you add a new task somewhere else that generates a new file, but you forget to add that to the, uh, to the clean task. So uh, what, the, what clean and clobber give you, sort of a central place where everywhere that you run a task, that you have a task that you know, might generate some file, you also add that to the, the clean list or the clobber list. Uh, and then this module declares a task called clean for you, where you can run rake clean, and it'll just go through that clean list, and it'll remove every single file in the list. And um, and you can run rake clobber, and it'll remove every every file in the clobber list. The the dif difference between these two lists, let's take the the ebook example. Those .html files, they aren't useful for their their own sake. Those are intermediate files. The PDF file is it's like a final target file. It's a deliverable file. That's the the thing that you're actually after. Typically, you would add the HTML files to the clean list and the PDF file, the name of the PDF file to the clobber list. The clean list, it says, clean, the clean task says get rid of all the intermediate files. Just, you know, leave the, leave the final targets around because um, I don't want to necessarily have to, you know, take the time to rebuild all of those, but get rid of all the intermediate files. Uh, the, the clobber task says get rid of everything generated, just live, leave the project source files. So clobber is sort of a, a more universal action than clean. 
There are two ways of passing arguments to rake tasks, right? One is using the environment variable and one is using rakes built in variables using brackets. Can you talk about the differences and advantages of these two methods? So passing variables into a build system or passing arguments into a build system is a surprisingly tricky topic because build systems aren't straightforward invocations of functions the way you know other types of, of automation tools are. You don't tell the build system just you know run this function. You tell the build system give me this end product and it figures out what are all the prerequisite rules you know, tasks to execute in order to arrive at that end product. Which means you don't know which tasks are going to be run when you say you know make all or not make all <laughs> old habits rake you know when you say rake all you don't know which intermediate tasks are going to be run and so when you are passing command line arguments to it, let's say you're passing some flag to it, which task is that flag going to? Is it going to the, the task that you actually specified on the command line, you know, the all or whatever it was, maybe rake book.pdf, you know, is it going to the, the, the book.pdf file rule? Or is it going to the HTML rule that was implicitly uh, referenced by the, and, you know, and required by the book.pdf rule? So you have a bit of a problem where it, you know it's there's some ambiguity there. Where should these arguments that are specified, you know, user arguments that are specified on the command line, where should they be applied? And so uh, Rake solves this in a couple of ways. First of all, you can set stuff in the commands in the Rake commands shell environment. So you know you can say either before or after the Rake command, you can say you know all caps foo equals 42 or something. Uh, the same way you would set environment variable for any command. And Rake makes things a little bit more convenient. You know, you can you can always, in, on, in the shell, you can always prefix a command with some environment variable settings, but rake, you can also put the environment variable settings after the, the rake command, and it basically looks for things that have equal signs in them and says, oh, this looks like an environment variable setting, so I'll add that to the global environment as well. But uh, those, you know, those, those become part of Ruby's global ENV variable, and so any task can look at those. And so they're not specific to one task. Then it also has a way of passing variables to or passing arguments to specific tasks. And the way it associates those with specific tasks is this kind of funky syntax where you specify the task name and then you specify square brackets. And inside the square brackets, you put the arguments that go to that specific task. So if you have a, a task called book, then you would say rake book open square bracket and whatever arguments go specifically to the book task and then close square bracket. And so it's it's really a question of, you know, do you want these arguments to go to a specific task or do you want them to just be available in, in the environment for any task to look at? One interesting thing that Rake does that I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of is if a task takes, let's say we have a, a task called book. Let's say it, it takes a, an argument, maybe the argument is called something like, uh, oh, what's, what's a good argument? Cover color. I don't know. So you can say, you know, rake book cover color is blue. Another way of setting that is to actually set an environment variable called book underscore cover color. So it'll actually, it'll take, it'll look, look at the environment variable list and it'll look for ones that, that are prefixed with the name of a task that it knows about and it'll interpret those as task specific ones. And so this gives you a way to pass in uh, arguments to tasks, even if they are just implicitly referenced by another task because you can you can set them in the environment and have them target those tasks specifically. What is the environment variable? All right. So 
every program that your computer runs has something called an environment. It has a list of keys and values, string keys and values, which are supplied to it by the operating system. And this is known as the environment. And there are a few ways for things to get into that environment. Uh, if you're in your shell, you can just type in a command like, like env and see the environment that's already set up inside that shell. And all of those environment variables will be implicitly copied over into any program you, you start. And so they'll inherit those environment variable settings. And they, they'll have access to all of them. And in, in your Ruby program, you get to those using the capital env global constant. And it's basically just an array. It's not really – not an array. It's, it's basically a hash-like object. It's not quite a, a regular hash, but it's a hash-like object that you can subscript with square brackets and pass in a string identifying the environment variable you're, you're interested in. Uh, like a typical environment variable that you'll usually see set is something like user. All User in all caps uh, usually is set up by most systems to have the name of the current user in it. And uh, so, yeah, you'll – You'll use angle, uh, square brackets to subscript the variable that you want inside the env global constant. Um, so that's that's what that is. You can also, when you're starting a program, like I was saying earlier, you can you can override or set new environment variables by prefixing the name of your command on the command line with you know something like like uh, user equals Bob, uh, and that that could override the user variable. 